0: Hello and welcome to the Retro Hour podcast, episode number 81, your weekly dose of retro gaming and technology news with me, Dan Wood. And me, Ravi Abbott. Now, if you are new to the Retro Hour, we are the show that covers anything retro gaming related on this show. We're talking stuff like Sega.
1: Atari. You know, oh God, I was thinking about the N-Gage the other day.
0: (laughs) You were actually. We were talking about that on Facebook, weren't we? Yeah. Um, You remember that? Yeah. Sega, PlayStation, Sega Saturn, Dreamcast, Commodore, Sinclair, Amstrad, anything that's retro anything with a chip in it anything you used to play video games on is fair fodder on this show and i think it's quite important to mention that because our special guest who's coming up in the second half of today's show has got quite a broad range of machines that he's been interested in over the years anything from like the spectrum up to the dreamcast and the playstation 2 because today we're going to be joined by guru larry Yes, Guru Larry has done amazing stuff. He's
1: he kind of was a contestant on like nearly every single British games TV show. I don't know how he did it. He must have wrote really good application letters. But he was basically on Games World and you know head to head with Violet Berlin, and he got to the kind of grand finals. So this is going to be a great interview. And he's got an amazing YouTube channel at the moment. And it
0: was always our dream, you know, as young lads, to meet Violet Berlin as well. Oh, yeah. And he got there. He got there. He did it. And he met Big Boy Barry and all of the others. (laughs) So this is going to be a really interesting one. Guru Larry, who you may know from the Fact Hunt series on YouTube. They're really good. Uh, Larry Bundy Jr., who's known as on YouTube, he's going to be our special guest in the second half of today's show. And we just want to say a massive, massive thank you to the people who keep this show going week in, week out. Because, you know, doing the show takes time. It does take money. You know, we have got to have costs involved in this. And it's always nice if, you know, Ravi and I don't have to foot the complete bill for the show. So thank you very much to the kind people who've made donations to the Retro Hour podcast running this week. And making the Hall of Fame this week. Rob Llewellyn, UK. Uh, John Dickman. G. Lydion. And Anthony Clark, who all made donations via our website at theretrohour.com. dot you can do the same. We've got a little PayPal link there. All you got to do is type your email address in. It takes like what seconds to do that? Yeah,
1: and it kind of kind of means I can afford cat food every week. So <laughs> you don't have to
0: spend your money on the podcast instead. Yeah, yeah. Just to go, it, we don't actually spend the show donations on Ravi's cat food. clear <laughs> I mean, that my up cat's now. not like that fat. <laughs> not an official part of the show, just. No. Yet. <laughs> and also, we've been continuing this is our little thing we started last week. Listener letters, and again like I did in last week's show, the printed out proper You've got paper,
1: paper, but also we've had a few listener videos. I don't know if you've
0: spotted them. This is not just paper. Have you felt this? (laughs) Printed on card. Oh, wow. You've gone up in the world. That didn't come out of listener donations either, just (laughs) (laughs) so. So we have got a few messages through this week. We were kind of asking, weren't we, for people to show us where you listen to the Retro Hour podcast, because we've had some great pictures and videos, and we've had a few more?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we had Marvin Drugsman, who's a friend of the show, and he's walking his dog um, kind of avoiding picking up the poos he said in the video but that's where he listens to the Retro Hour and we had another one which was SF Drummer and he's near Wotton Bassett actually which is a was is it, the army
0: base is around yeah. there yeah and he's on a nice evening walk kind of listening to the Retro Hour on his phone and we've had a few more on our email as well. Daniel Lynch has been in touch. He goes, hey guys, I listen to your show on a Sunday morning as I meet the missus. I have to get a train or two to get that. I normally crack open a beer or two and enjoy. Other times, if I have a dodgy curry, I listen to it on the toilet straight after, usually for the whole show.
1: My God, what a curry that must be.
0: <laughs> an hour-long curry. And
1: we, we've got one <laughs> from fortunate. Adam Wade as well, yeah. which has got a nice picture of an Apple Watch with the Retro Hour kind of logo on it. And it says driving around selling wines in the national capital, Canberra. Actually...
0: Wooden Canberra. Yeah, so, in Australia. Australia, yeah. yeah. We, we, we've got a far reach, Dan. I love that, because I've got an Apple Watch and I've never actually listened to like, you know, audio on the watch, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and it, it comes up with a the title and everything. And the final one we got is from uh, James and Colin and the team at letstalkretro.com. Now, these guys have actually been making their own game boxes for loose carts, um, including stuff like you know the N64 in particular they concentrate on. And they've got a website called uh, thecoverproject.net. Uh, they do inlays for like DVDs. And the, after actually some uh, game scans as well, they haven't got... Um, a full collection of game scans. So they're after a few. If you want to get in touch with them, let's um, letstalkretro at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to find out a bit more, thecoverproject.net as well. It's always cool because, you know, if you lose your original boxes and that kind of thing, it's uh, yeah. nice to have a reproduction. And
1: I remember about 14 weeks ago, actually, they did a nice little video on Instagram and we never mentioned it. And they were sitting there and they were saying, this is how we listen to the retro hour. So they were ahead of their time. That year far, ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. far <laughs> before we did this. And it was uh, actually with Amazon Echo. So they just shouted, Retro Hour, and it came alive
0: and played. It was great. Yeah, because you found that on Instagram. Ravi's like, oh, these guys have done it. And like, well, like, that's 43 weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. That was- you guys saw the future. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so really nice to hear from you lot. And uh, if you want to get in touch as well, if you ever want to get a mention on the show, we read emails out at the start of each week's show. All you've got to do is drop us a message. Show at theretrohour.com is our email address. Now, before we get to Guru Larry, um, I want to give a little shout out to a paper magazine. Ooh. All about the Commodore 64. Now, obviously, we love paper. Yep. Uh, this is Paul Kitching, who's actually done the design on this. You all know Paul, actually. The guy who did the Retro Hour logo. He's done movies like Viva Amiga. Probably the most talented 3D artist in the retro community. And he's involved in a magazine called Reset 64. And these guys are actually celebrating their 10th issue. Um, It's fully printed, 72 pages of full colour, essentially like a modern-day, full-glossy Commodore 64 magazine with games reviews, you know, modern Commodore 64 games, developer interviews, pokes and cheats as well, just like back in the day. And uh, they're actually going to be releasing their 10th issue in August. So uh, pre-orders are available now if you'd like to get a good old-school Commodore 64 magazine in the post.
1: So this is one that you actually order online, you get sent to your house, it's professionally printed, mm-hmm. and you kind of get that new magazine smell. Oh, I can't beat that smell, yeah. can you? Oh,
0: gorgeous. Oh, I used to love that, that, the freshly printed mag. So if you want to order that, we'll put that in this week's show notes. Now, speaking of big new media releases this week, when did we first talk about ready player one movie that was probably about over a year ago now oh
1: god yeah and you know this is just the start of these video game movies because console wars is going to be coming out it's it's all coming mainstream you think retro is mainstream now wait for two years (laughs) it's going to be absolutely insane and this trailer is just fantastic i was watching it and uh it's kind of got the vision of how i wanted it to look you know everybody who's read the book you get your own kind of vision in your head of what the vr is going to look like and the kind of idea of how the city looks, it just looks fantastic. Well, you know, well
0: for people who may not have read the book, explain just dead quickly what the story is.
1: The story is about a kind of society that's just completely gods apart and people are living in caravans stacked upon each other. And they're kind of... The only place to escape is this virtual reality world called the Oasis. Hmm. Now, the creator of the Oasis um, left some code in there. Easter eggs. Just like in the old computer games. But they're all based on the old computer games. And they give you special abilities and kind of powers in this world. So you can become this, like, you know, ultimate badass, basically, if you solve the riddle. Okay. Uh, and that's all based on old computer game stuff like Joust and all of the kind of old stuff. Now, there's a lot of Easter eggs in this trailer as well, yeah. kind of leading to it. So it's, it's got a lot of people excited.
0: Well, this is Steven Spielberg, who's directed the film. So we're talking Big League. Um, this trailer's been released at Comic-Con. In America. And yeah, like you said, you know, the releases, it's only about two minutes long. You've got Simon Pegg yeah. uh, stars in this film, Olivia Cooke, you know, some really big stars.
1: It's uh, also, it's one of the biggest selling novels uh, of recent times. And the second book, Armada, which he's, he's completed and I've read, they've already bought the rights of that Spielberg. So yeah, there's going to be a follow
0: on. Well, even looking through this, you know, two minutes here, someone's actually made a list of, like, you know, some of the Easter eggs that are in there. You've got, like, Freddie Duke Nukem appears in there, the Atari logo, the Back to the Future DeLorean. Like, all oh, yeah, just, just even
1: the chase scene, you've got, like, what is it, Akira going through there
0: with DeLorean car in yeah. It's just like, wow. And uh, apparently someone said, has no one noticed Dizzy talking to Lara Croft at 1 minute 20? Mm. quite interesting i'm going to have to look at that again and
1: there's uh all kind of references to back to the future of course 88 miles per hour and all of this stuff
0: yeah so i mean for if you like our show and you're into retro this is going to be like just all your dreams come true in one movie i imagine isn't it
1: yeah and uh I kind of i was a bit uh, about the soundtrack and you know some people are saying the trailer's bad and that but i say Wait till you see the movie. The book was probably one of the best books I've read in years, so even if the movie's rubbish, I recommend read the novel.
0: I mean, the trailer is very, you
1: know, contemporary movie trailer style, isn't it? It's a lot of, like,
0: boom, boom. Yeah, but
1: then it also has that kind of little Spielberg. Ding, ding, ding. You know, the kind of little noises that he does, uh, encounters of a close kind or the, the early kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and you've even got, like, the E.T going across the moon at the beginning instead. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah. Amberlyn yeah. Studios that's and all right. that. Yeah. That always makes me nostalgic to see that logo. So. Totally. Yeah, we we'll look forward to this. Movie's not out until next year but if you want to check out the trailer we'll put that in this week's show notes at theretrohour.com And a lot of people have been going crazy over this rumour that's been doing the rounds Microsoft were killing off paint oh! after 32 years. <laughs>
1: Paints, the old trusty programme. I still can't do screen caps
0: without using paint to save it. I think that's what ninety nine percent of the paint usage is all about, isn't yeah. it? Or just cropping things. Cropping it's quite things easy for sure. that. I mean, people have been going mad about this. this story, I mean, it's been picked up by like, the BBC, The Guardian, and I've been seeing it all over Facebook today. Some people have been saying, I've actually archived my own version off my hard disk and uploading it onto my cloud server. <laughs> so when Microsoft delete it, when the update, I can redownload it and install Unofficial it again. Unofficial paint. <laughs> yeah, they can take it from my cold, dead hands. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that Microsoft have kind of uh, relented and said, all right, if you want paint, you're going to be able to keep it now.
1: Yeah, they've said, you know, they suggested it will not remain in Windows... 10 by default, and it will just be free on the store. But I think they've kind of turned around and said, yeah, we're, we're amazed. They said, uh, you know, if there's anything we've learned, it's after 32 years. MS Paint has a lot of funds. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was pretty crap until, like, Windows 7 or Vista,
0: really, wasn't it? And well, it still is, yeah, kind of. Yeah, they kind of... Do they have blurring in it and stuff? I don't even know. I I remember, I mean, at one stage, it could only save BMP files, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember that was the only use for BMP files was kind of really badly ported games, the texture maps on there. I put them into paint and then kind of change the textures to be like something rude (laughs) and then put it into like the old road rash or something
0: well i'd like you know on my amiga 1200 i think i I got like a bmp data type yeah you know so i could load them into p-pack and all that kind of thing but it never worked very well when my heart used to sink whenever i got something with a bmp file i was like no i haven't got paint
1: it was good for making icons i remember that
0: little icons and shortcut kind of stuff that that was always fun on paint well it is like a bitmap editor really isn't it but Mm. i mean People have been, like, losing their marbles over this story that, you know, it might be going. and <laughs> But, I mean, there are better alternatives out there. You know, paint.net. Totally, yeah. Is really good. Erfan View I use as well on Windows. I was really always good. a fan of
1: deluxe paint, but I'm um, kind of a meagre bias there because, uh, yeah, paint came a lot later.
0: But uh, the pixel precision was so good. Yeah, I mean, paint didn't hold a candle to depaint, did it? No. It's like, you know, that animation and everything in it. But so if, uh, you know, if you had been really upset that paint was going to be killed off after 32 years, you know, you're going to be able to You'll download this. will be all right. You'll be and, fine. A, and also, they're
1: releasing 3D paint. I don't know how yeah, that 3D? It just, yeah. Yeah. Just, it's like emojis and, yeah.
0: Well, that's apparently in, like, you know, the Windows 10 creator update. I've not tried it yet, but...
1: I downloaded the creator today. Am I, <laughs> I just got Bubble Witch Saga and all of that stuff installed on my system instead.
0: you would be taking your screen grabs in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is quite a weird story that I found in the week. You know, we talk about like people finding weird stuff in their attics or the basements, you know, it might be like a, an Amiga we've been talking about recently. Yeah, if you've been, yeah. we now found Amiga 500s. This takes some topping. Uh, a scrap dealer has found an Apollo-era NASA mainframe computer in a dead engineer's basement.
1: Oh my God. Apollo-era as well. That's going to be like, you know, less powerful than your phone and an absolute... Beast.
0: <laughs> you know. Less powerful than your phone fifteen years ago, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a Nokia thirty three ten could like outshine this thing. Uh, but it's really interesting. I mean, so they found this in, in the basement of a guy who passed away and apparently used to work at NASA. He was an engineer there, and when they're cleaning his house out, um, they found a pair of like, really big old NASA computers dating from like you know the early seventies, late sixties. Cool. And they reckon that you know that there are tapes here as well with like program on them, uh, program code that were used on the Pioneer Ten and their Pioneer 11 voyages wow. that, you know, the flyby missions to Jupiter and Saturn. So they reckon it, you know, probably contained something like the source code or something that ran those um, probes. Now, they're all labelled um, NASA property. And, you know, the the, the guy who was the heir to the engineer who died basically said, you know, it wasn't stolen. This guy got permission from NASA to yeah. take it home and all that. What's quite curious is, though, this um, article's been picked up by Ars Technica and other websites recently. Even though this, this discovery was made in 2015, so it was a couple of years ago, but there is a quote here from a guy who works, um, as a, his job is archiving like the digital past, essentially. Mm-hmm. And his recommendation was, there is no evidence that suggests any material is historically significant. I recommend disposal through immediate destruction of all magnetic tapes. Mm. And then they've done a little is bit that more. is from mess. an
1: archive guy. This
0: is from a guy whose job it is to archive data. Okay. And he said, essentially, I'll just burn them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but weird. And then, apparently, like the, uh, the NASA computers are labeled with a contract number, which is NAS52154, and they've been l- looking into um, NASA's archives, and apparently there's no record of any contract ever being made.
1: Ooh, this could be, you know, all the NASA secrets, the meeting with aliens on a
0: yeah. real tape. All well, A bit dodgy, isn't it? You know, yeah. a, NASA, a NASA code that doesn't exist anymore and someone suggesting immediate destruction of these tapes. Get well, them out weird. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone says, hey, you know, uh, NASA once accidentally erased the Apollo 11 moon landing tape, so maybe this shouldn't come as much of a surprise that they've lost the code, so, yeah, quite interesting. Apparently, us technica have contacted NASA for some uh, information, but the spokesman said they've got nothing further to say.
1: Well, I I remember watching a small documentary about NASA uh, using an Amiga. And they're basically, I think it was a 2000, they just left it under a table processing um, kind of maps of the planets and just scanning the circuits. But they left it on for 10 years.
0: And it didn't crash, just yeah. go in. Well, I think yeah. they bought more. I remember reading it. There's actually a website about it. they got two Amiga 4000s as well a bit oh, later. Cool. And they would do rocket launches. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And apparently the guys at NASA were like, you know, it doesn't run MS-DOS and that. We don't know what it is. It's weird. Get it out. Yeah, but yeah. they kept it for about 10 years until they were forced to replace it. But And probably just permanently on, chugging away, yeah. doing calculations. Yeah, so some uh, very weird technology at NASA. But some other people are saying in the comments that, you know, this was found in like a moldy basement and there might be, like, fungus on the tapes that people uh, don't want to breathe in and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So maybe it's a biological hazard. That might be why they can't do it. But you think, you know, if this, Asbestos, guy's, us,
1: there? Well, this guy's
0: job is archiving stuff, you think, what could be more interesting than these tapes? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's something very subtle about all this, I think. Now, before we get to this week's interview with Larry Bundy, um, have you seen this? The recreated ZX Spectrum has been selling in-game for twenty nine ninety nine.
1: You linked me to this earlier, and I was walking around game going, oh, where is this spectrum I was trying to look for, and I couldn't find one anywhere. But it's really weird. It's like a a full recreated spectrum, but it's...
0: what is it? It's not a key. It's just a keyboard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, this has actually been out since around 2014, 15. I think we did mention it on one of our first shows. We were talking about you know using this on the on the train with like an iPad or something. But but, but why use the Spectrum? Because the rubber keys were notoriously <laughs> annoying, you know. Well, what this does, I mean, it used to sell. People were like saying, you know, this is a really good bargain, like for 29.99. And actually, looking at game site like now, it's gone up to 49.99. So it looks like the price has kind of popped up again. (laughs) But, I mean, over the weekend, they're selling it for 30 quid. But I put, like, my postcode in, and I couldn't find any stock locally anywhere at Mm. all. Um, But apparently this comes with, like, an emulator as part of the package. You put a code in on, like, the the App Store or on the Play Store, and it downloads an emulator. You can then connect this as a Bluetooth keyboard to. So essentially have your kind of spectrum experience. Oh, cool. Well, I guess you could, like, rip the hell out of it and mod it and put a Raspberry Pi in
1: there. And, you know, if that's... 30 quid or whatever, I think 50 quid's a bit steep at yeah. the moment, to be honest, but... Well,
0: they were apparently 80 quid, like, a year or two back, so, I mean, just for having... I mean, it is a pretty faithful re- reproduction of the original No, it, definitely, it
1: definitely looks like yeah. an old Spectrum, you know.
0: So some people were saying, yeah, you can just shove a Raspberry Pi or something in there and... Uh you know, use it like as a, an updated Spectrum, which for that, I mean, for the sake of 30 quid, I think just having something that, you know, to use a case or whatever is probably quite cool.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of, I think they're dipping their toes into the uh, old console market here as well, maybe.
0: Well, it was weird because, you know, the front page of Game over the weekend, that was a Lee product on the website on Saturday. And I was seeing it in all the Spectrum groups. People can just pick one up, even though it's crap. You know, I did not know, no use for it. But for 30 quid, it's an impulse buy, isn't it? You can
1: go into the shop, buy Crash Bandicoot, yeah, play play on your spectrum, type other stuff, and
0: then uh, go and watch Ready Player One. <laughs> have a good Micro Machines that yeah. as well. Just pretend the last like 20 or 30 years have never happened. Yeah, just ignore it all. <laughs> That's why we do this show. Yeah. <laughs> right, then, guys, thank you for checking out episode number 81 of the Retro Hour podcast. We'll be out again next Friday. Your little treat for the weekend, available from all of your favourite podcast clients. Please do keep your emails coming in as well. Show at the retrohour.com if you'd like something mentioning at the start of next week's show. And now. This guy is one of our favourite YouTubers, a guy with such a rich, interesting history in British computer games and video games and television. Here he is, this week's special guest, Guru Larry, is our guest on this week's podcast, and we'll see you next week. Ciao. You're listening to the Retro Hour podcast, and it is our favourite bit of the show. Let's welcome on this week's very special guest, the legend that is... Guru Larry, welcome to the show. Ah, oh, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, a long last. Yes. We've wanted to get Larry on for ages. We've watched we you on should, YouTube for so long. He asked me, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> We thought, you know, we, we, we just let it simmer for a while and let, let the excitement build. <laughs> so Larry, this is a question that we like to ask all of our guests, you know, to find out a little bit about your background. Oh, um, yes. what's your earliest gaming or computer experience then
2: uh i think it's playing uh combat in the atari vcs oh wow i think that's the very earliest when i can personally think of my uh my older brother bought one home with his first wages from wh smiths i remember that and uh yeah we played on that and we're so i remember we were so poor in those days we had to rent the cartridges from our local tv repair shop so i remember that yeah but Combat's the very first game i can remember Actually, playing this is like 1982, 80. Th- yeah, about 1982. My my other brother had a Spectrum, uh, his grand bought for him, but uh, he was into army clothes and stuff like that at the time as well. So he sold it to buy a load of army gear. He never joined <laughs> the army, he just had a load of army. Combat <laughs> quite trendy for a while though, wasn't it? You know, yeah, it was <laughs> in the early 80s. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, what was the game that you kind of um, completely caned when you were a kid? You know, played it so much
2: as a kid? I can't remember, I played quite a few. Uh I've the first computer I personally owned was an Amstrad and the bundle games I think I remember more than anything like Roland in the Caves and uh Roland no, Roland in the Caves, Roland on the Ropes, Roland is a kidney, um um <laughs> just the, <laughs> just uh, those games are the ones I can remember and never be able to play in them. I don't think you could physically actually complete them properly.
0: Yeah, a lot of games yeah. back then they just like you know kept going forever or loop back around, didn't they? Yeah, just not yeah to do it. I
2: remember being so. I spent ages and ages trying to complete Roland on the ropes, and the time I'd done it and it just looped back to the same level again. I was heartbroken.
1: I <laughs> said, like, play it all backwards or something. Yeah, or yeah. can can
0: you do it again? Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's like that. No, I don't want do it, to. Do it slightly harder. <laughs> so, did you have the green screen monitor then, or were you? I a, no, posh- no,
2: I was, I was lucky to have the proper colour one, thankfully. Uh, I only had a
0: 464. Yeah, they were cool machines though, actually, because people are doing quite a lot of stuff on the on the Amstrad now, aren't they? And they are. We've been seeing yeah, people porting stuff. I mean, back then it got a lot of Spectrum ports, didn't it?
2: That's what. it, yeah.
1: I remember Kane in Rampage on that. That was. A... I
2: was talking about that on, um, on Twitter the other day. Somebody brought that up. For some strange reason, it's got the music to the game, uh, TRK game Trojan on it, but it never had a Amstrad port, Trojan.
0: Mm. That's weird. <laughs> Yeah, they said the music line around or something. Then
2: yeah, they said the music to the game that was never released on the Amstrad. They thought, let's put it on there; nobody will notice. <laughs> so,
0: so we, were you mainly computers then when you were a kid, or did you get into consoles a bit later?
2: Um, I got a for Christmas, 1987. I got a Master System, and that's really sort of my love of co- proper console games carried on. I mean, I still played the Atari. I mean, every now and then we used to find games in the world and that for a couple of quid. stuff like that. And there's a kid at school who was selling his off for like a pound each and I bought a load of him and stuff like that. But yeah, the master system is really I got my love for sort of proper console gaming.
0: And of course when he went onto consoles I meant, you know, getting all legal games as well.
2: Well you could uh, in those days like Woolworths used to keep the cartridges in the boxes on their shelves. So I mean if that's the way of piracy, if that's what you mean. (laughs) Finger piracy, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, no, yeah. of course
1: you would have had Alex the kid if you didn't have any other games. Oh yeah, so.
2: that's that's a legal requirement for any master system at the moment. Alex Kid. My master system didn't have anything built in apart from that snail maze. If that counts.
0: Yeah, I had a friend who he, he literally only had like you know the master system two with Alex kid built in for like six months. It's the only game <laughs> his friends didn't buy many games with it. So. <laughs> so what about like after that then? Was it Mega Drive, Super Nintendo? Uh,
2: it was. No, I actually bought a NES from a kid at school. I remember that I bought yeah, I bought one from him and then I got a Japanese Mega Drive about a week before the official release came out. Because I really didn't want Altered Beast as a packing game. Mm. I mean it looks nice, but it plays like ass, really, Altered Beast. So I got E and New Zealand story of mine instead. was
1: that a um NTSC as well then?
2: So... Uh it was a PAL modified NTSC machine. Oh. And it went It went all, uh, you could still play NTSC games. You could play it in NTSC mode, but just hold down the reset button for some reason. There's like a bug in it. If you hold the reset button down, it plays the NTSC.
0: I remember the Japanese Mega Drive, that was always like the Holy Grail. You'd see it in like gaming shops, and it... oh, you right. could tell the difference because it had like purple, you know, instead of the white, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, and
2: the big, yeah, uh, gold text with 16 so bits as sort of the tiny little sort of aerial font as on the Western <laughs> yeah, just I've ever been it. so distraught about that. That's <laughs> the thing that disappointed me the most about the Western Mega Drive is a tiny text.
0: Just didn't, like, scream as much power, did it?
2: No, no, it didn't. I mean, it's, I mean, it's supposed to be designed um, after sort of the style of a uh, a Ferrari or a Porsche. That's why it's sort of sleek and style like that. I mean, it's still quite... Nice, looking by today's standards, really, isn't it? I mean, well,
1: so did you have people come round and say, "Why is Sonic running faster on your machine?" <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> oh no, I didn't. I didn't get Sonic too long after. I mean, we were sort of uh, sort of Mickey Mouse and stuff long before Sonic came along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, no, nobody was really that excited about playing the Mega Drive more. I mean, it's only the only thing it was as if it was a new console more than wow, look how powerful it is.
0: And did you ever own any like systems that you thought were going to be massive and then turned out to be like complete flops?
2: No, I I purposely bought things because they were flops and that just out of curiosity. <laughs> I love playing sort of bombed consoles and stuff like that. I mean, I still do now. Yeah, no, I, th- I can't think of anything that I actually bought that did bomb really. I mean, Omega CD really, if that counts. And the thirty two X and stuff like that, but they're more add-ons <laughs> in consoles.
1: Dan just bought one last week. Yeah, I got a thirty two X last week.
0: <laughs> oh, they're bloody expensive now. Oh I find I got one like three years ago, they're like a tenner. Yeah, they're like about oh, ninety said- quid
2: now, yeah. Ninety <laughs> quid. Hard the end of them exist now because of angry video game reviewers keep smashing them up for a laugh.
0: Oh, yeah. When you watch him back now in the set fight, that AVGN episode when he burns it at the end, you're like, I'd have had that. Yeah. yeah, what are you doing? But, you know, speaking of like failed systems, I remember like kids at school who, like, you know, bought like Philips CDIs and you know, stuff like that. And they seemed like, you know, so futuristic at the time when CD technology came around, yeah. didn't they?
2: Or you could have an entire shelf of encyclopedias on one CD. <laughs> wow, the future's here. Did
1: you ever kind of get to play on a Neo Geo? i did
2: i had one i had one well i had a sort of a i don't know if it was sort of second hand my one because uh one of the joysticks i bought in a big massive crack down the middle of it i remember that but yeah i had one i had i bought world heroes and king of the monsters 2 and then i didn't buy anything for years for it until like cex started selling neo geo games off for 40 pounds each
0: they were like you know at school they were like all the you know the millionaire kids had neo geos we'd never even seen one we'd just heard about them yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. It's like an arcade machine in your house, really, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: It's a shame they don't really sort of have anything similar to that nowadays, really. I mean, I sort of think the closest thing, really, is like PC gaming with like a 1080i Ti graphics card in it or something. that's the close, closest to sort of Rolls-Royce of game playing now, isn't it? So, as a kid, were
1: you kind of immersed in the video games world? Did you, like, have a certain magazine that you liked or...? A certain
2: show that uh, you watched. Oh, I, I sort of grabbed anything that took my fancy. Really, I mean, I was I was lucky enough to have sort of all the machines because uh, I had a granddad die on me, and he had a uh, sort of bit of money left over, so I bought a, a couple of consoles and stuff like that from that money from my will. Uh, but I used to get, yeah, I used to get most uh, quite a few magazines, and that uh, CVG and Me Machines are probably my favourites. Uh, I thought Total was a bit crap, to be honest. I never really got on with Total. The, the girls. You know, the guilds
1: appealed big. in CVG to me.
2: <laughs> 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 well, in hindsight, CVG is a bit rubbish because, like, if you go to every single review, like, it's, nothing's ever under eighty percent. Yeah, it's like every, every single game is brilliant, you know.
0: And whether they want to give like Rise of the Robots like 80% or something,
2: yeah. It's like brilliant from the fast show, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, back then, I mean, you
0: know, gaming TV was a big thing as well. I mean, you know, which mm. gaming TV shows did you watch?
2: Well, I watched the, re- I watched the re- usual ones like Games Master, uh, Games World, and that. And I used to watch the more obscure ones on like the Children's Channel. Uh they had uh Head to Head, which was what I was on, and uh there was a show on the BBC called um Total Reality. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Yeah, that was yeah, a video game know. review show, but there's like but like, like ten second clip of it on YouTube and that's all there is that exists of it now, and they're quite sad about that. But the main thing I remember that show is they gave away uh, the competition for the entire series to win a Panasonic M2. Well, and that never I came know. out. Yeah, I, know. I was wondering who was a poor son who won that and didn't get anything. <laughs> win the Multi <Conix> multisystem. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was in a complete to concert, wasn't it? You could win a <laughs> go.
0: They always have it in the terms and conditions, don't they? Like, you know, prize may, you know, we may offer a substitute prize. A bit like Bullseye, isn't it? Really? <laughs> you
1: come
2: over a boat. <laughs>
1: well, you, you mentioned that you uh, appeared on Violet Berlin's Head to Head. How yeah. did that happen then? And uh, I kind of don't know about that show.
2: Uh, what was it like? Oh, well, I've got i got loads of episodes on my YouTube channel. If you have a look at it, oh, uh, it ah, no, it's one no. I used to watch it on telly, and now you've never. Th- Actually, no, tell a lie. Beforehand, they had a game show uh, completely based around Super Mario games. Uh, Super Mario Challenge, it was called. And uh, there was a, you know, at the end of the show, you know, if you'd like to appear on a future episode, please write into this PO box address, that thing. So I did that and they said, oh, sorry, the show's ending, but we've got this new show coming on. Would you like to be on that? And I said, obviously, yes. And I did. So uh, the first time I went on there, I got completely slaughtered because they're playing Super Kickoff on the Mega Drive. And I can't stand football games. I actually hate top-down football games. But uh, yeah, I thought, oh, I'll play go on a game. Hopefully, you know, it's not some sort of thing. Oh, you're one chance, you're blown it. But I went on a game, they play Rock and Roll Racing. And Rock and Roll Racing, it's one of those, do you know, have you ever had a game that you're, like, you're freakishly good at? Is this one game that you're really, really good at? And by total chance, Rock and Roll Racing was a game I was really, really good at.
0: But I've seen that clip on your YouTube channel of when you're playing kickoff and, like, you know, Violet Berlin's talking to you and you're like, no, I hate football. I don't play at school. Like, know, she keeps
2: going. It's, well, it's quite distracting when somebody's trying to talk to you and you're being polite and you're trying to concentrate on the game. But I'm trying to bloody play it! So that was in real time, then, you, while, yeah, while you played the game? It was. Wow. It was uh, that's, um, if you notice, on the second time I'm on, when it's on the spinny head, Brain thing. Uh, she stopped talking to the contestants because they must have got complaints about that distracting them all the time and that. But yeah, but the only reason I ro- I lost because she told with the wrong buttons for the penalties. So, <laughs> so that's why you you look at me. I got a face like a smacked ass at the end. So.
0: Yeah, you didn't look impressed. No. <laughs> well, Robin, I were saying it was all you know as kids, it was always our dream to meet Violet Berlin. So you, you, you got to that stage. I met her a couple of times.
2: Yeah, she's yeah. Like, yeah, she's really nice in real life. I mean, I've uh, we still I still speak to her as well all the time. She follows me on Twitter and stuff like that. So yeah, oh, no, that's, that's
1: cool. Well you appeared later and uh you came back and won a mountain bike.
2: I did. <laughs> yeah. I still got it. It's stuck behind the shed. Uh, so <laughs> so it's, I don't it's probably the rust holding knit together now but yeah I still got that thing.
0: So I remember applying to go on like kids TV shows. I think I applied to go on Finders Keepers. Um Oh, yeah. With Neil Buchanan, I think, I hosted that. Nightmare. <laughs> it didn't get on that either, so... Ooh, I was on a
1: It's a Bitsa. Do you remember it's that? It's a bit, so no. Yeah, it's like a weird science kid's TV. Yeah, wasn't very good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what did your mates think when you were on telly then? You must have become quite famous at school for a bit then, did you?
2: Uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, they sort of pointed me out and stuff like that. I remember when I was on Games World, uh, I went on holiday the week I aired, and I'm... Um, I went in an arcade and there's a motorbike game I went on. And there was all these kids standing behind me laughing. Oh, look, there's a fat bike on a motorbike in it. And I turned around and stared at them and they recognised me instantly. And it looked like I pulled a gun on them, in their face. <laughs> 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 I just remember that. And they walked. They just went really quiet and just walked out the arcade. <laughs>
0: everyone else in the arcade is like, what was that about?
2: <laughs> and also another kid uh, recognised me in Hastings as well. And um, instead of... Uh, instead of, sort of going hello there and that, she just pointed at me. It's like <laughs> invasion her body snatches. And like, it's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I always get that. So. And did you ever apply to go on Games Master? Was it I was did. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, uh, actually I went, uh, I auditioned for the second series uh, to play. Uh, they was looking for somebody just for a challenge to play Joe and Mac on the Super Nintendo. I remember that. And uh, but it was a bit unfair, because really, they gave me such an unrealistic chance. It's literally impossible to get to the boss on the first level in the time limit they gave me. So look, I couldn't. So I so literally failed it. And when they did have it on television, uh, they gave the person about two extra minutes to complete the level. So that was a bit unfair.
0: Well, we had like Dave Perry on last year, and he was telling us some stories about how they'd often do like several retakes, you know, to get. Oh the, yeah, for like was. TV, wasn't it, yeah. rather than the uh, game.
2: yeah, it was. I mean, if you look at the uh, the clip of me when I was on Games World playing against Martin Mathers. Um, he complained his joystick wasn't working when I was playing 1080 snowboarding, and you can actually see jump cuts where the pad in my in these in these our hands changed colour oh, as wow. well. So they, no, he's, he's absolutely right. It definitely was fixed. A lot of it. I mean, they even asked me if I could lose to a girl. And I was quite offended by that because I went on, I auditioned to be on that show at least three times and that being rejected previously. And I said, I've got this far and that you're not going to kick me off and that, you're not be off offering me anything. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I said no to that. And well, so.
1: I, I find it pretty amazing that you've still got footage of all this stuff because uh, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah,
2: I'm neurotic about <laughs> recording everything. Yeah,
1: I'd lose <laughs> everything,
2: you know. Uh, in those days, you'd actually write to the company and ask for copies of the master tape as well. So, I like all the ones I've got on there are like the original master copies. Uh, oh, without cool. all the adverts and stuff like that as well.
0: And do you remember when you first went into the studio? Then were you, were you quite nervous at the time?
2: Uh, which studio was this? Did you get Games
0: World. Then when you first went on the
2: set, I, remember, oh, I was so frightened. At first, uh, I remember throwing up the day before going in there. So <laughs> that's how nervous I was. Wow. But um, yeah, no, it was quite it's, quite. it's quite a massive set. It was. It looked like something out of the Crystal Maze as well.
0: But you come across very like confident and very cheeky on the show when you watch you back, though. Oh yeah, I just yeah.
2: piss. I was just pissing about. I thought, you know, it's my only chance of being able to tell him what's have a laugh and that.
1: Yeah, I love you, kind of shaking your fist at the guys and all that <laughs> kind of
2: stuff. It's Really getting yeah, into just, the vibe of ask, it. Yeah. I was just asking about and that. Yeah, so you always you either get the one or the, the kids who are quiet, their arms crossed all the time, or the, the cocky ones. You are going, have oh, you know, I'm the best gamer here and that. I'll knock him out in the first round and stuff like that. And I just didn't want to do that. I just want to. But then when you,
0: when you look back on those ones, they're the ones that look ridiculous now, aren't they? Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> it must have been quite
1: a change as well because you were kind of 18 when you went onto Games World and before you were much younger when you were on Head to so Head. Oh, quite...
2: well, was about three, four years and that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so seeing the different kind of perspectives, um, how was that? Well,
2: that uh, yeah, Hewland's far more professional than the, uh, the Children's Channel was. I mean, it was literally the back of an office for the uh, Children's Channel show, Head to Head. Mm-hmm. It was uh, literally an old house, an old uh, mansion in St John's Wood. They filmed it in.
0: So after so, doing that, then did, did that kind of give you a taste to do gaming television of your own? Then?
2: Well, no, that was well, going on television myself. That was just complete uh, pure chance. I mean, nobody ever asked me back or anything. So mm-hmm. we like yourself and that. No, I never had that. Um, there was a f- uh, when I went on television for the first time. There was uh, somebody wrote on the Brit Xbox forums. Uh, they were looking for somebody to be on this uh, new this show called Game Guru. And uh, if anybody's interested, in everybody else is making, taking a piss out of this poor sod doing it, you know, you go on television, that all rubbish in that. And I thought, I oh, might as well do it. And I got the job. So basically, I got the job because nobody else applied for it. <laughs> <laughs> by, by default.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> well, did, do you have like any presenting experience or did you just like kind of wing it then?
2: Oh, I, I wing it. I mean, the very yeah. first episode, they didn't, I actually made up half the cheats on the episode because I couldn't. <laughs> they didn't they just literally just pushed me straight out. It's literally just being, you know, pushed off into the deep end of a swimming pool.
1: And this was so a broadcast on Sky as well.
2: It was broadcast live on the sky. Live as well. Oh, so God. I was sitting there <laughs> trying to think no no phone calls are coming in. So I was making up people coming in and making phone calls and stuff like that. So I made it up the whole first episode. Second episode, uh there was massive lag. Uh so, so, so that nothing was happening when I was on television. And uh, my mum comes in the room says, says, uh, the television, you know, it's, it's not work, nothing's happened. I, I turned around and went, for fuck's sake, <laughs> I can hear it on television. And then I heard it 30 seconds later when I turned around and I just went dead cold. I thought, I am getting sacked for this. Just you, frozen. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I am getting words. sacked for swe- First thing i done was swear on my first job and uh, <laughs> my second episode. I thought, oh God, I'm so getting sacked after this. But no, they never did, so... So I carried on like that. Then again, again. they might not have been there watching. <laughs> no, well, well, the, man, uh, the guy uh, in charge, the, my boss's boss, actually got sacked from the network for <laughs> for pacing a pitch of an erect penis on screen non-stop for three and a half hours. Right. So, <laughs> so, that's, so he got sacked for that. And then he got cut and he asked back in that because I got nobody else could find any better than him. So I remember that. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's how I got onto Game Guru. And that's how I got the sort of Guru Larry name as well.
0: And you stuck. Sort of, you stuck with it all this time, then
2: that name. Right? Yes. Well, that's what I'm known as now. I mean, I was mm-hmm. when I started on YouTube, and that I was still technically on the channel doing that stuff. So I was, you know, so I was trying to do some sort of uh, what's the word synchronicity of uh, being on television and the internet at the same time. And the name Guru Larry just stuck. The only reason I'm using uh, Larry Bunt my real name now on YouTube, is uh, because <laughs> I've got so many other channels under the Guru Larry name, so I could keep calling it that. So.
1: Well, uh, we have a strange connection as well. Uh, you and Dan were both on Rapture TV as well. Anyway. I, I, didn't, I
0: didn't know Larry was, though, because this must have been a similar time. I was on about maybe 2005, five, six. 2006, still like a, a dance yeah. music show on there. I haven't oh, kept, in, I haven't oh, kept yeah. any tapes of it. They didn't owe you money, do they? Apparently? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't kept any recordings of it, though.
2: And, uh, yeah. But you were on there as well, then, around the same yeah, time? Yeah, I thought they had a show called Gamers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I went on there and I showed off my Day-tail super Supergun and... Uh, I think some other stuff. Oh, Vectrix! I think I showed off. Laserboros oh, nice. sort at of GamesCon. They had a little sort of thing beforehand where they were showing off uh, games consoles. They kept giving like old people them just play and see what they more thought of them, like hilarious type thing. And I used to lend them my consoles for stuff like that. Well, was Not that
0: online and on Sky as well? Sky it was on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Virgin stuff.
1: Well, you so, en- entered the world of esports. Well, on kind of a channel, uh, X yeah, League as well, league, yeah. yeah. And you had a a proper segment as well, Larry's Larry's Retro Corner, wasn't
2: it? Uh, Yeah, that's true. That was actually the world's first retro gaming show as well on television. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's my claim to fame. Beforehand, I was wanting to go on there as a contestant on their eSports sync, but basically the original idea of the channel was to get these people uh, on and then make them celebrities themselves. So basically, like, really early Let's Play thing or something. But So so they get who's telling that. But they realised that none of these, all these people who are really good at games had any personality whatsoever. So, I mean, they used to get so angry that uh, they used to have a proper interview with them before and after the match, and all they used to do was, like, give one-word answers. Yeah,
1: great. And it, yeah, yeah. You,
2: So what you do you think? Would you really enjoy that match? Yeah. <laughs> so stuff like that. So I used to get really angry. So I suggested to go on there as a sort of a stooge to sort of uh, antagonise everyone, to rile them up, to give them a sort of character and that. sort of like like the Games World videators type thing Mm -hmm. so that's what I was after yeah but uh, they didn't they'd come through in the end they said oh you can have your own show instead and and I only got that show because the other guy got sacked who was going to do it Uh, a guy called Alan Alan he's uh, a YouTube channel called Team VVV Oh, he's still doing no. it, is he? okay. I need uh, no, he, do, well, he does YouTube yeah, now. He does yeah. uh, he he got into esports for racing games and stuff like that. Uh, Alan Boyston, that's it. Lovely bloke. You should interview him actually. He's quite an interesting person. Yeah. Um, worth a share. Yeah, he so he does all these sort of racing uh tour esports players and stuff like that, and he was working on that at the time and he also worked on the other uh, gamer web maybe or something uh, it was on another channel cyberweb was it there's N- that, that many of them around wasn't yeah. There? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, was, it basically is a rival gaming yeah. show to game network and stuff like that uh, so, he's got some interesting t- stories. If you want to have him on, he'd be quite interesting.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned like, you know, an interesting point there about it's the personalities that you remember. You know, we always remember like Dave Perry and Games Master. We remember like Big Boy Barry yeah. and you. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. I think it is quite you're right because often video games, especially journalists and stuff, they come out to life when they're writing on paper. But when you saw them on yeah. TV, they were just like dweeves. It's like, you
2: know. Oh, yeah. well, I think Julia Rignall stood out and that and Radio and Automatic and his wacky hair. So stuff like that. But, you know, I, I I can understand that. You do need a bit of personality to be sort of known on gaming and that.
1: How do you kind of feel about the current state of uh, gaming television?
2: Um, I mean, they've got sort of like Go 8 bits and they've gone completely wrong direction by putting all these celebrities on. They have no interest in video games. Mm. So that's alienating the people who would want to watch the show as well as uh, having other people come and I say, you know, well, what's the point of having somebody who isn't an expert on the show? And that just. So they know what they're talking. So they should be getting people off the web to to to, to, uh, to be on there, and that you know.
1: Well, uh, that's, that's... being mentioned on screen, Mike, white must have kind of brought a warm glow to your heart.
2: No, absolutely yes. Uh, i have spoke to i have spoke to uh, Charlie Brooker for a while. Last time he, last time I spoke to him was when he retweeted my uh, video about uh, when Jeremy Clarkson was a video game journalist. Oh, was he? I never knew that. Oh, hey, watch, watch, watch my video then. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, he used, to, uh, he used to work for Amstrad Computer User. He used oh, to wow. write uh, review. We've well, actually done a sort of uh, puff pieces, really. So, yeah, but I've done, I done a video on his uh, short term as a video game journalist.
0: And do you have the articles as well in the video?
2: I do, yes. Yeah, wow.
0: You just be able to so, reading them in Clarkson's voice. Bring a yeah. new dimension to it, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hello and welcome to <laughs> today. I am
2: reviewing Outrun. <laughs>
0: that's, that's... <laughs> but there, are, I mean, you know, you mentioned like Charlie Brooker there, and like you know, Clarkson's a surprise. Um, but mm. there, are, there are quite a lot of people that have kind of got these kind. Of, you know, Ian Lee's another one, isn't he? He's really into mm. retro gaming, and you know, these kind of mainstream, you know, personalities that you see that really are quite into it, kind of off the record.
2: Yeah. No, no, it's, there is quite a bit. I remember we used to play Xbox Live quite a bit in the early, when it first came out, and we had Goldie come on, you know, Goldie. Oh, the, the drum and bass DJ guy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. him, yeah. And he kept, link, he kept glitching in the game. We told him, if you do it again, we'll kick him out, and he did. So we booted him. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that, yeah. So you've kicked Goldie. <laughs> I've kicked Goldie out of the game for cheating, yeah. We had a right guy at him as well for that, I mean.
1: You invented jungle music, but we're still going to kick you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, he, well, I only learned how he, learned this, he lives about half a mile from my house as well now. So, yeah. <laughs> so.
1: Well, you always see those kind of forced uh, media shots of like Vinnie Jones years ago holding a football game or something like that.
2: Oh, yes. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Empire and the Sun, who played, there was the guy who played uh, Batman uh, in the Batman trilogy.
1: I'm, I'm rubbish with Batman.
2: <laughs> but, uh, oh, uh, well, anyhow, yeah, we've got loads of videos of pictures of him playing on an Amstrad while filming Empire of the Sun. forgotten his name. Everybody's going to be screaming it out, aren't they, in the comments and stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, another show you did, which was quite a unique series, was for ScrewAttack.com and that was... Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> games yanks can't
2: yeah
1: <laughs> I'll leave it there
2: <laughs> yeah so, yes well he uh, Stuster and Craig would come up with the name he didn't know what that mailed meant mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so I had to point it out what it means and then he thought just go with it anyway so that's half the paper half the comments of every single video I've ever done on that series is why if you use that word and stuff like that but yeah no I that that was a sort of a getting out to Americans all these sort of games that we grew up on which is something that's still lacking even 10 years later really i mean nobody you don't really think many, many many americans talking about jet set willy do you yeah and there's stuff. there's not but, much
1: talk of the euro scene or the kind of stuff no.
0: that was going on here yeah. well that's, that's why well, we started this podcast isn't it because all the rest were like covering nez and you know uh, atari and that was it really
2: yeah but, no i mean even that super nintendo mini that's coming out all the games are under the american name none of them under the british names mm-hmm. and half of the games how can they be classics if half of them didn't even come out over it as well i mean yeah. So but it's, a, it's a sort of false nostalgia we've got over here of uh, everybody loving the Nintendo as a kid's and what well, nobody did because it was a rich kid's toy. To yeah. And they want 70 quid for a game every time and stuff like that.
0: And I think sometimes you know you chat to you know I, I get you probably get the same in your YouTube videos you know like younger people who are maybe you know they'll, they'll see stuff that we've covered and they'll be like oh I, I didn't know about that you know they assumed that we just had nintendos and that here and they didn't yeah. know about the spectrum and the amiga and that kind of stuff
2: well, it's, it is it's to the sheer massive presence of american sort of uh retro gamers on youtube uh, that it has sort of uh given us a false nostalgia of a console that we never had really had <laughs> or oh, actually we had but we couldn't afford so yeah that's quite weird i mean i've i mean i've i've tried to hold the tie but it's like sticking your fingers in a sort of a in a dam leaking dam, really isn't it so. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of someone who's, you know, done a lot for British gaming over recent years, Stuart Ashen, I know he's a friend of yours. Oh, um, yes, yeah. yes. I remember him, yes. yes. <laughs> how did you two meet then and how did you start working together?
2: Uh, basically, years and years ago, I wrote to him, um, uh, hello, Stuart, I like your videos. Can we do a sub for sub? And he told me to piss off. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> so that's, that's start, how we started a beautiful friendship. <laughs> friendship. Yeah, that's how we started our friendship. Yeah, me asking if we could do a sub for sub. But, uh, yeah, we managed yeah, we sort of got us talking from there, really.
1: Are there any other kind of big europe based podcasters you'd like to work with? Or, or, I or YouTubers, I sorry. You
2: know, I've, actually, I've always wanted to go on this one, to be honest. And that's really, honestly, I saw my mother's life, but I really wanted to be on this one more than anything, this podcast. Oh, thank oh, so you. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I can't he he says that to all thing. of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I honestly can't think of any other podcasts, really, any other big European ones.
0: Well, I know, you, you get back to Ash, his book that he brought out as well. I mean, the, you know, the terrible old games. I mean, how many of those yeah. were you familiar with when... Uh,
2: well, I wrote one of them, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote the... Uh, L.A. SWAT ah. game. So yeah, I wrote that article for his book and also for his next book he's got coming out mm-hmm. later this year, I did one on the Flintstones game.
1: I saw a great uh, video on YouTube where he, he was launching it at some kind of museum and people mm. were coming up and playing the rubbish games and then,
2: yeah. you know,
1: he was just saying, this is how rubbish they are. It was great.
2: <laughs> I think it's like a perverse sort of uh, addiction to like playing rubbish games. Uh, the Japanese actually do it. It's called kusoge it's got a there. name uh, the, <laughs> the, the enjoyment of playing terrible video games yeah
0: there is something quite fascinating about it though isn't it it's like you look at a lot of these games and you think how on earth did this get released
2: <laughs> that's what i wonder how can yeah. you spend 18 months making a game knowing that it's rubbish yeah i mean i know i mean i mean people put you know you say it's your job's worth and just doing it for the paycheck and you know, that but surely have some sort of sort of soul that somebody some poor kid's gonna spend 40 quid and it's rubbish but i mean luckily modern games aren't terrible now i mean it's very very rare to have a generally bad game when most people complain about a game being bad nowadays it's just that it's unoriginal it's just generic like another first person shooter and stuff like that really so we are quite lucky now but then again it's a multi-million industry and they can't afford to make a rubbish game nowadays can they
0: well, one of your videos I really enjoyed was your special on Driver Three. That obviously was, uh, you know, pretty high-profile case of a game being terrible.
2: Well, I'm quite surprised everybody forgot about that. I mean, Future did such an amazing job of burying that story. I mean, I mean, I say burying it. I mean, they just got really, really lucky that it happened just before YouTube, Facebook, Reddit really appeared. So it was quite easier to bury news like that in those days. But it's no, it's it's quite a fascinating story. They I mean, hire- it's the really, because it could have been a really, really good game. If they gave it another six months to make, it would have been like a classic, almost.
0: Well, they were hiring, like, Stooges to go on forums, weren't they, and PR companies yeah. to, like, sign up as users <laughs> and stuff.
2: I mean, it's pretty off. I mean, they weren't very good at pretending, the fact, they weren't uh, Stooges and that, because all they should, the only co- threads they ever go on was ones about Driver 3, and that sort of sticks out like a sore thumb after about five minutes and there's something going on. But, no, but, yeah, no, it's quite, it's quite an interesting story. And also then, you know, sort of... Uh, paying off their uh, magazine's sort of neuroticism of being the most, you know, getting the views out there by giving them early access as long as they give it nine out of tens and stuff like that. So that's quite a, that's quite an interesting story.
0: I wonder whether, you know, the demise of kind of mainstream paper magazines, whether, you know, maybe it's a good thing in that regard.
2: Uh, well, it's just going on the internet now. I mean, it's still the same corruption just going on. Hmm. It's just, you read it on the website earlier than on paper, really. I mean, to be honest, I used to buy paper magazines to just get the free cover disc. Yeah, really. Especially in the Spectrum days, and that used to get a whole game, and that—that that was a brilliant in those days.
1: Problem is with the internet, we find, especially when researching stories, kind of people just copy and copy and copy the yes. information, and it's like f- twenty copies of the same thing, you know.
2: And it turns into Chinese whispers as well. After a while, as well, where we're altered the more times that somebody has to reiterate the same information.
0: Well, there seem like you know video games that I remember being. Quite well respected when I was a kid, and actually I thought, you know, that's a pretty good game. And then one YouTuber might say it's crap, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, everyone thinks it's a dreadful game. And it's like we and didn't I think know, that I back know.
2: in the day. I know, just it's just a sort of a sheep mentality that is. Mm. That's, I, I, I remember, I remember being quite upset when the AVGN said the Mega Drive version of Ghostbusters was a terrible game, mm. and if all it was is him blaming his own not being very good at the game as flaws of the game. So I remember that being quite upsetting for me. So. So yeah, but no, there's a load of games that I think thought was really good as a kid, and everybody goes, "It's a rubbish game." I'd rather stick an elephant up my urethra and you know, <laughs> you know stuff, <laughs> stuff, the usual rubbish they always come up with stuff like that. But yeah,
1: but also, I guess we were stuck with those games when we were younger. You know, if they were
2: really rubbish, yeah. we'd have but to make it fun. Afford, you know, we had to learn to love things after a while as well. And we really didn't have them uh, sort of rent. You couldn't really rent Spectrum games and Amsterdam games and that, could you? So we didn't have that luxury until sort of consoles became more prevalent sort of in the early 90s yeah
0: and if you got a game i mean you know you would just sit there and you had no internet like you said you had no other games you would just sit there and you'd learn to like it i so wouldn't even read the manual <laughs> yeah. you know when you do kind of expose those, like and do you ever hear from the people like who are involved in the game and like kind of give their side of the story right, i heard comments?
2: from future all right okay future wrote to me yes do you know what they did they offered me a job well <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> <laughs> so yeah i thought oh my god they're gonna Give me a cease and desist, tell me to take it down for slander or libel or something like that. No, but they offered me a job instead, so I was quite taken back by that. I'm slowly getting uh, sort of messages from the people I talk about sometimes. A lot of them are sort of like slightly disgruntled about things they had in the past, so they're telling me all these anecdotes. So I'm sort of slowly building up a database of all these sort of stories to try and evolve into episodes
0: that's amazing. So, I mean, in fact, for people that haven't seen it, you know, you should absolutely check it out. That must be your most popular series. It is. That's
2: really. uh, sort of made me explode my channel in mm-hmm. recent times, and that. Do you ever find out stuff that like really surprises you when you do it? Quite a lot. I've got a quite a good one uh, coming up in the next episode about why Highlander is such a terrible game. Uh, I could actually I'll tell you now, but it's probably not going to come out. For <laughs> basically, uh, you know, Ocean used to try and grab all the rights of any sort of uh, movie coming out. Yeah. Yep. And they were so desperate to get the rights of. Uh, Highlander, they've sort of agreed to some really unrealistic royalty fees. So they've worked out that if the game done really well, they'd actually go bankrupt from the royalties (laughs) they'd have to pay. They they purposely made the game so nobody would buy it.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh Blue Monday, you know, when they uh they, they were losing money on every copy of Blue Monday and then it became like one of the biggest records
0: and they were just like, No. That's it must be those kind of things that you find out though, and you're like, That can't be true. And then you when you do a bit more digging you're like, Really? No
2: they're, they're definitely true and now I've got like testimonies and yeah, stuff like that. So yeah, no, it's, it's, I just love the anecdote stuff. That's what nobody talks about and that. I mean, there's lo- there's countless other sort of top tens and listicles on YouTube, but they're always a sort of uh, like top ten, you know, Super Nintendo games and stuff like that. So it's basically based on opinion, most of these, rather than fact. So I love finding these old anecdotes on the internet and stuff like that. Old gaming magazines are absolute gold mine because it's information that's not on the internet but still out
0: there. A lot of the mags are on, like, Archive.org and stuff, aren't yeah. they? You, so it's quite, it's
2: quite easy. I mean, it's just a case of looking sort of like a second level of the internet, really, for information, this is. But, yeah, there's loads of great stories on there and that. And there's also, it's great for hindsight stuff of stuff that never came out and things.
1: Yeah, I, I look through quite a lot of old magazines and I'm like, Jesus, they were going to release that? Oh,
2: what, what is this? And,
1: you know, there's projects you've never heard of.
2: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So like nobody's sort of covering it. It's the weirdest thing. Is me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing from your, from your videos. You'll always learn something. You know, you, you watch a Guru Larry video, you always come away. Wow, I
2: didn't know that. Yeah, no, that's 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 the sole purpose. I mean, mm-hmm. I think people get a kick out of learning something new, just as much as sort of watching a video, really.
0: So Peter Peter Molnou hasn't been in
2: touch. No, no, he actually, he, he did actually, uh, when I started doing stuff on television, retrocorn. he actually uh, done a cameo for a couple of episodes as well. So he actually has technically been in some videos of mine officially. So, <laughs> so yeah, but no, he's never said anything. I don't think he's probably, I mean, there's probably somebody out there going, oh, look, there's some guy making fun of you on these videos and that, but. You know, <laughs> <So> <laughs> no, but he's never actually physically <laughs> said anything to me. You always wait for the mention in your videos.
0: When's Peter coming into
2: it? Then here he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do that one day. Maybe I could try and get around it. See if I can get talk to his manager or something, get me the cameo.
0: So, is there any other companies or like you know products that you've had maybe ideas of covering, but you need to find out more, or anything that you, you know has just been a bit too obscure and you haven't been able to find out anything about?
2: Um, there's, I mean, there's some some sort of rumours and stuff like that. I like to sort of follow up on, see if they're true or not. Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing. But um, no, I mean, it's just a case of trying to find, get any information out there, and then building up sort of the, the story about them, and that's see what's true and what's not. Because a lot of them is, like I said, it's just rumors and stuff like that. And
1: any you've kind of been scared to cover in case of getting sued or anything uh, like
2: that. Yes, I've actually got. I did write a game. There is an episode of Fact Time I written Um, three um, it's a uh, three three games endorsed by pedophiles.
0: No way. Oh god. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I got that one. So that's one I'm, you know, I'm too scared to put out, really, at the moment. But, yeah, it's like there's a Jimmy Savile video game. Is it really? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I remember
0: this, uh, the Rolf Harris paint package thing. Yeah, that's yeah, it. And that's the other I'm one, one
2: was Stuart Hall. and uh, It's Knockout.
0: Yeah, they, they don't feature in many YouTubers' videos these days. No, weirdly it's enough. strange
2: about, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then again, they are British, uh, sort of British celebrities and Americans sort of don't really care unless they've been in Doctor Who or Red Dwarf. So <laughs> that's what they care about, yeah.
1: Are there any other YouTubers you kind of really rate?
2: No, they're all rubbish. No one's known as good as me, <laughs> I'm afraid.
1: Uh, <laughs> I am king.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, quite, I mean, I quite like a lot of non gaming stuff. I mean, there's a guy, uh, called oddity archive and he reviews sort of, uh, the rise of sort of early things like how pay TV became about. And, uh, yeah, sort of box office channels and that from America. And It's like the early days; they literally just took a a, a, a camera into the uh, local cinema and filmed it, and then streamed it to everyone in the local area. That's <laughs> wow. what that's what original box office television was. So he's quite good, uh, and he does a lot of um sort of technology that failed as well, sort of nanny boxes and stuff like that. And um, remember the older web TV boxes as well used to get yeah sort of just yeah stuff like that. So apparently you can mod them into Linux computers now. Apparently.
0: Oh we, well I guess they are just a computer, aren't they? Yeah yeah, they are computers yeah. yeah. they' got
2: no, I mean, the main problem with them is they've got no sort of a hard drive space to sort of save anything on, so mm. you've got to work with what's internal memory really
0: yeah, but not and the it, fastest computer probably. You wouldn't use it for no, B-
2: Bitcoin mining. No, no <laughs> the thing would melt so, uh, so yeah no, i got I love channels like that. Obviously, uh, Dan Ibbotson, who helps me out with videos and stuff like that, he's quite good. Mm -hmm. DJ Slopes Room, he does a lot of uh, complete histories of stuff. Um, Also, uh, Kim Justice, she does quite some good uh, retrospective stuff. Yeah. These are just fellow Brits I'm thinking of. I think a lot of American channels, uh, there's not too many sort of retrospective stuff now. It's more of uh, people showing off what stuff they've bought on eBay now. Yeah.
0: You're right about Kim and like you know, nostalgia nerd as well. We've had them both on our show as oh, well. Oh okay. like, yes, yeah. yes. You know, they're all like, they do great, you know, in depth videos as well, don't they? they
2: yeah. yeah.
1: I think GameSack out of the American ones kind of they have a bit of a, a focus at looking back.
0: Mm. 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 So what is it about retro that you still enjoy then? What keeps bringing you back to it?
2: I think now it's some of the stories about what how it I think it's I mean it's like you I mean when you're a kid you just like playing the games but to learn the stories of how they came to be in that is quite fascinating for me. And if you look at a game again, you can see what went into sort of working and stuff like that. So I find that quite interesting. But no, I th- I think it's uh I just I just enjoy older games really. Given a choice, I prefer modern gaming. I mean I'm a bit sad like that, but because i no, because i've always said you know if you went back in time 20 you know 30 years and that and if you could offer yourself either a um, super nintendo or a playstation 4 what would you go for yes <laughs> yeah so so yeah so you, i think everybody does prefer modern gaming in that extent given the choice but i do no i just i just like it for this sort of uh sort of, it's, 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 it's nostalgia as well i suppose really yes
0: have you got quite a big collection yourself then of consoles and games
2: I have, yes. I have, yes. Uh, it's bordering and the hoardery, hoarder sort of mentality now. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm t- sort of uh, millimetres away from collecting bottles of, f- pull of Pepsi for my own Wii and stuff. Like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, Crystal but, uh, Pepsi on tab clear. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm currently collecting uh, debug development kit consoles as well. Oh, wow. Uh, because they're really cheap at the moment. Most people don't know what they are, so they see this sort of PlayStation 2 development kit console and they think, oh, it's a really expensive PlayStation 2, that guy's having a laugh, and then just go past it and then get another one, a normal PlayStation. So they are quite collectible for me at the moment as well. And they're always well, interesting,
0: a, you know. You think what you're going to find on the hard disk, or there could be some like long-forgotten code on there. Oh, there
2: could be. I've yeah. I've managed. I bought a uh, a crate load of old hard drives for one of them recently. I need to look, go through them and that, I mean, hopefully there's a an unfinished game. Somebody, uh, I have got an Australian friend called Frico. He found uh, a half finished copy of the PlayStation 3 version of Until Dawn when it was like a survival horror game. Oh no way! So yes, that's what he found on it. So there are
0: stuff it's out there hidden treasures yeah. yes I, I mean I remember seeing a you know I don't want to bring back any bad memories um, an awful picture of you losing a load of games and systems when your shed leaked oh, yes. years ago.
2: yes that, that must have been heartbreaking it. well it's, it's more upsetting for me because those are the games I had from when I was a kid mm. so it's more of a sentimental value rather than a monetary value it, it'd been, been there for quite a while before I noticed because uh, some of the game the cardboard boxes and the Nintendo games have got so wet they'd literally turned into mud
0: God! Oh
1: God! They kind of soaked it all up. Yeah, Yeah, Dan showed me the picture. I was horrified.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it didn't look nice. I've got a box full of sort of rusted, corroded Nintendo sixty four games and stuff like that, and so they'll be put out and stuff like that. So. People wanted me to show them to like museums and stuff. So <laughs> you even get them. Some of them are lethal because they're covered in verdigris now, so I can't even touch them my bare hands anymore. Oh, yeah. Put them in quarantine. So It's quite freaky what, how bad games can get and the, quality- the damage of them. You've recovered from that now though, Larry? Yeah, I've got most of the games back. I mean, there's like a couple of PC Engine games I'm missing, but that's about it really.
0: Well, are there any new, new series or projects that you'd like to do or you've got in mind for your channel?
2: Uh, well, I'm still going to be doing more fact hunts. Uh, i have slowly building up a team of people to help me make them now. I've uh, got, uh, do you know, a guy called Kieran Hawken? Uh, he's actually a writer for Retro Gamer magazine. He's okay. going to be helping me write scripts and that, and I'm getting a, sort of a couple of people to help edit stuff and that. So hopefully fact hunt's going to be a more regular show. I mean, ultimately, I like it to be like a weekly series, but that's almost getting there at the moment. Um But at the moment, I'm working on a new retrospective series. Uh, It's going to be partially animated as well. And um, so I'm going to sort of fund it myself for the first few episodes and see how popular it is. And if it is, I'm going to take it to Kickstarter and then we'll be able to get the original voice actors for the game characters uh, to uh, be involved in it. Uh, I did actually used to do artwork for the video game industry about 15, 20 years ago. I've uh, done a lot of uh, details artwork for their Game Boy Advance Action Replay and stuff like that in their magazine. I had out for a while called GBX. Uh, I've done some artwork for Rockstar Games and Bungie. I did it for Art Oni. don't remember that game. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, I've done a, sort of a couple of homebrew stuff and that. And anything, of like, stuff you find in the bargain bin and Tesco's. <laughs> so, that's that's <laughs> one of my artwork. is there. So I used to do artwork in the industry once before, and on that. But I'd like to get back into it again. Uh, I just want to do a sort of more creative thing, really. Well, you like to keep busy, Larry. I well, yes. It's something I hate being bored. Hey, but when I, get, when I get bored and I have nothing to do, all I do is just sleep all the time. And, and i get this vicious cycle and not wanting to get up anymore. And that, so. so yeah, when I get bored, I get sleepy. So, so I just kind of get the energy flowing and stuff like that.
0: Well, everyone should help keep Larry awake and check out his YouTube yes. channel if you haven't already. Thank you very much, yes. Well, Larry, it's been amazing talking to you and sharing your stories with us. We really appreciate you coming on. Oh, yeah,
2: thank you
0: for having me again. Yeah, and, uh, keep up the good work on the channel.
1: Thank you. And I'm going to catch up with Head to Head on your channel. you. <laughs> <laughs>